on today's episode of The Leadership Drives. Been to Jersey, I've been to New York, I've been to Atlanta, I've been to Chicago, I've been to Houston, all these places, but I have always longed to come back. Indeed. I always, I mean, you know, I don't know what it is about this little town, you know, but I love traveling. But I always want to come back because I feel like those places don't need me. They don't need me. And that's how I, I felt about people who left. I was like, those places didn't need y'all. We, you know, and those who have left, it's like, come back. We need, we need you. I'm a survivor. And I've been given a second chance at life. Right, so been given this second chance, and what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So it's not about the money. It's just that I'm glad that I got this second chance because I couldn't have made it. Welcome to the Leadership Drives podcast. Now here's your host, Mylena Sutton. Hello, podcast family, and welcome to The Leadership Drives, the podcast where you are invited to be virtual roadies and cruise with me as I take road trips across the country to meet leaders, because I want to know what drove them into leadership in the first place and what is driving them now. Yes, you heard right. I drive to meet my podcast guests in person. Whether it means a trip across the country or a drive up the New Jersey Turnpike, my goal is to build real connections and to ask the kinds of questions that make the drive worth it. I headed to Africatown, which is in Mobile, Alabama, to gain some perspective on the Clotilda and to speak with Joycelyn Davis. I became aware of both of them after stumbling upon a documentary called Clotilda, Last American Slave Ship, which was produced by National Geographic. The documentary was about the last slave ship that landed in our country in 1860. Through that documentary and a book by Zora Neale Hurston, I also learned about Mr. Kujo Lewis, who was thought to be the last African brought here on the Clotilda to die. He died in 1935. Mind you, my oldest living relative was born in 1931. The timeline struck me, and it was particularly poignant given that I'd recently visited a plantation for the very first time. I actually visited three plantations. That experience was so powerful for me that I blogged about it. It gave me much needed insight into what it means to be Black, a different perspective on my family, and a renewed sense of self-worth. So when I watched the Clotilda documentary, I had to see Africatown. It was hard to believe that someone who had actually been a slave died such a short while ago. As I researched Africatown, I began to picture a small, but dying, literally dying town, but one that was rich with community. I imagine strong community ties where everybody knew everybody and with families who had been in those towns since forever. In short, 
I envisioned what it would have been like if my great-grandparents' Georgiatown had been dragged to Alabama. In many ways, I was spot on. When I arrived in Africatown, I went straight to the cemetery where all of the graves face the east, which is the direction back to Africa. I wanted to seek out Kujo's grave. I found it, despite my fear of rattlesnakes and mosquitoes. Then I set out to see what else I could find. Like many Southern, rural, poor, and Black communities, Africatown's population is dwindling. Many of its tiny houses have been abandoned, and there seem to be very few places to find work. And I could smell something in the air that let me know that a plant or a factory was nearby. And if the smell didn't let me know, the truck traffic certainly did. As I drove through Africatown and its neighboring town called Pritchard, I saw just how strong of a leader Joycelyn Davis is. As I drove, the gospel song Worth Saving by Anthony Brown was playing in my head. I don't believe you can lead if you don't have a clear and compelling vision that you can help others to see. I also believe you must care deeply about the people you lead. Joycelyn's commitment to Africatown is clear. Her spirit is anchored in Africatown as she dreams for the community and as she does the work of alignment. Every single day, she works to get others to see what she sees. Sometimes people will follow the leader before they see the vision for themselves. Joycelyn has that effect. As you take this drive with me, I invite you to think about how you paint the picture of possibility for yourself and for others. So Ms. Davis, we have Jocelyn Davis here today, and we're gonna talk a bit about who she is in terms of her relationship to the Clotilda family, which is one of the last documented slave ships to land in our country, and how that has affected her family. And so with that, why don't we start off with a little bit about telling us a bit about you, who you are, and your connection to the Clotilda. Wow, so my name is Joycelyn Davis. I am a direct descendant of Charlie Lewis. Charlie is his enslaved name. I've been trying to get myself to start saying his African name, which is Oluwale. Charlie Lewis and Maggie Lewis, mm -hmm. both the survivors of the Clotilda. My ancestors arrived here in the United States in 1860. After being enslaved, my ancestor bought land from his enslaver, Colonel Thomas Buford. He bought land, it was about maybe 10 to 12 of those enslaved Africans, and they named it Lewis's Quarters. And that land was established in 1870, and we still have family members that live there today. Oh, wow. So that's my connection to the Clotilda. Um, both of my ancestors were aboard that ship. And just recently, I found out that I'm related to Questlove. He traced his roots back to Africatown with Dr. Henry Lewis Gates. Oh, wow. And we're related. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good deal. Good deal. You know, I've always wanted to do one of those ancestry uh, journeys. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, my family has started. We haven't made as much progress, and you give me hope. <laughs> indeed, 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 indeed. So is all of your family still in this area? Most. I mean, if you live in Mobile, most people, they leave 
Mobile, they go to Atlanta, or they go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Those are the two main places that most of our family. You know, that kind of makes sense. I recently, or actually it was last summer, I read The uh, Warmth of Other Sons. Mm-hmm. It's a book where the woman, I can't remember her last name, but wonderful, wonderful book. She chronicles the stories of three black folks who left the South. And one went to Chicago, the other went to New York, and the other one went to California. And she talked about how they went in those particular routes according to where other black folks they had known had gone yes. and had done okay. Or frankly, according to where the train routes went. The train. That exactly yes. that's how my family mm-hmm. they it was the train. It was the, the train. train going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's how my family migrated to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't realize the great my I don't know what I learned in history, but I didn't realize the Great Migration was a thing until uh-huh. I really started digging into it to know how significant it was. And then as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my God, I see my own family. Yes, because yes. though we are from Atlanta, I have family in Cincinnati, Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee, and in LA. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, it's where the trains went. It's where the trains went. It's where went. the trains Cause went. Because I, I mean, as a little girl, I, just, I didn't realize that until my great aunt, mm-hmm. she was like, I caught the train. Mm-hmm. They're from this small town called Wiley, Alabama. This is on my father's side. She was like, I took the train. Mm-hmm. And when she took the train, then other family decided, okay, I'm going to take the train and I'm going to move to Chicago. So that's how it happened with that side of the family. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how mm-hmm. those kind of things happen. Like, okay, I yeah. hear you. I hear uh-huh. you. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the Clotilda is, and please correct me with the story from what I understand, is that now that the actual ship, because I understand that it was an illegal slave ship, when the gentlemen who owned the ship, when they came back, they actually burned the ship because they weren't supposed to be stealing people to start with. Um, I think it's just ironic. You couldn't steal people, but you could force them to breed, if you will. And now that the ship has been uh, identified, from what I've read in the papers about the descendants, they are trying to receive some sort of acknowledgement from the family who owned the Clotilda. Mm-hmm. And that that process is, frankly, um, as you would expect, not an easy process. Mm-hmm. So tell me about what's going on with respect to getting some acknowledgement for what's taking place with the actual Clotilda and your relationships with Mobile, Africatown, and the family. So we have tried for several years to reach out to the Mayor family. I live in, I still live in an area in Africatown. So the Mayor family is the family who owned the ship, right? Who owned the ship. Mm-hmm. But the person who built the ship, we are in very close contact with Mike Foster. Okay. Now, when you talk about the Clotilda story, now how I look at it, I have, I want to talk about everyone who was involved okay. because there were several people involved the how the story goes you look at timothy mayor and his family a lot of people don't talk about captain foster mm-hmm. so as far as the foster side we have met mike foster if you ever watch the 60 minutes piece we all came together and he apologized he is not a direct descendant he's a cousin because captain foster didn't have any children mm-hmm. so when he met us he was like you know he was my cousin my distant cousin but i am a relative of his and i want to apologize Mm -hmm. for what happened so it's just been a thing of the mayor the the mayor family has not spoken directly to the descendants but they are friends with some other people in the community Mm -hmm. so i don't know how they feel about just sitting down having a conversation i think once they have a conversation with us it won't be as bad as they think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
they own half of Africa Town, mm -hmm. and with the, the land that they own is all industry. Mm -hmm. So we're going through this thing with zoning, residential, and all of those things, and they're continuing to let people come into the area that own is just industry. We want some type of store in Africa Town. You know, we want them to be good neighbors. Mm -hmm. We don't want anybody bringing in any type of pollution. Mm -hmm. So this is the land that they own. They don't sell their land. They only lease their land. Okay. So yes, they were very much involved. And then if I, if my ancestor was enslaved by Colonel Thomas Buford. Mm -hmm. So as the story goes, there was a bet. But when you make a bet, there are several people involved. And it and when you read the story, it's Timothy Mayer and his business partners. Mm -hmm. So his brothers were involved and several other business partners. Some of those enslaved Africans were shipped to Selma, to the Dallas County area. So their enslaver was involved as well. We just don't know their names. Okay. They're not as prevalent as the Mayer family here in Mobile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So they have been kind of dispersed mm -hmm. and this is what we do know in terms of who is involved mm -hmm. and essentially the mayor family has kind of not said anything no um would you say it's just fear or do you think they're hoping that you would just go away well on, on both sides neither one of us are going away mm -hmm. <laughs> apparently they love mobile just as much as i do Good deal. Good <laughs> right deal. so we're not going anywhere it's you know I think that they're a family. If you ever watch the film Descendant, whenever it comes out on Netflix, I will say I've never, I've never known a family to keep a secret or not to talk. I've never known a family, and that is that family. I've never known anyone to say, "Oh, I talked to this person, and they said this," or they said, "Yes, I will meet with Joyce," or "Yes, I will meet with this person." I, they have not said anything. Nothing. No. So. Hmm. What do you actually want from them? Like, do mm -hmm. is a conversation. I know you said the other gentleman you met with, he apologized. Mm -hmm. But what do you actually want from me? Is it just an apology? Is it a mm -hmm. conversation? Mm -hmm. um, how does, yeah, what do you want from them? So that was a question someone asked me. And it was like, I was stuck like a deer in headlights. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I really had to sit down and, and think about it. One thing, are we telling the story right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have any artifacts from the ship? Mm -hmm. Who was all involved? We, I, I know that the story talks about your family so much. I know who my ancestor was enslaved by, but can you tell us how the others got involved with this? Mm -hmm. You know, industry-wise, industry you know, why would you guys, why are you guys continuing to let this industry and crowed on the Africa Town community. We would love to have some type of little store or some type of a business besides trucking companies. Now, to your point about the businesses, mm -hmm. tell me how the waterfront is being affected by the industries because if my research was correct, that there's some issues with some pollution and how that's affecting people, not only from an economic perspective, mm -hmm. but quality of life and health. What's going on with that? Well, I work closely with a group called Chess. It's mm -hmm. clean, healthy, educated, safe, and sustainable. And we've been working for years now, and the water has been tested. Is you know we're trying to make sure everything is safe. We're trying to 
do this connection blue way where people can kayak mm -hmm. and they can fish and they can dock their boats. So we're making sure that the industries that are there now are not polluting the water so people are safe. Because a lot of people do fish and crab. Mm -hmm. We call it under the bridge. Just It's called the um, Clotilda Landing. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be an area, hopefully, that the National Park Service will have this where people can fish. And I'm repeating myself. And mm -hmm. crab and do all these things. And they can. it could be a nice area. There are picnic tables and things like that. So as far as the, the water, the water is safe. Okay. The water is safe. They've, they've done all the testing, so the water is safe. In terms of how the local elected officials are working with you all, um, are they working with you all to get some sort of responsiveness from the mayor family, or how is that going? Because where I'm trying to go, and mm -hmm. I guess where my question is, is going, are you seeing some movement in terms of the roadblocks that you're facing with getting information from them, as well as seeing Africatown being given the respect it seems to be due? Mm -hmm. So with the elected officials, and that's... That's a conversation because the new councilman for the Africatown area has just gotten into office. Okay. He's just gotten into office. So he is brand new. Not brand new to the community. He was a councilman, I think about 12 years ago, and he was fairly young. Mm -hmm. So now he's like, I'm this mature man now. Okay. And I'm going to make sure the Africatown get his just due. Okay. So we're going to put his feet to the fire. We're going to put his feet to the fire. So we have Mobile's mayor, Mayor Sandy Stimson, who actually he is friends with the mayor family. Okay. The mayor, the mayor is friends with the mayor family. Mm -hmm. So that's a conversation that I may have with him for our Juneteenth celebration. Okay. We're going to meet with the mayor on June the 18th. I don't know him personally, but I know that he's friends with them because we are in hopes to having this food pantry in Africatown. The mayor's own this credit union building that they were going to refurbish. The mayor's sold it to Mayor Sandy Stimson for a cheap price. And once they did the inspection, the building was in disarray. They, they're going to have to tear it down. They're going to have to tear it down so our political champion, Mercuria Luggood, is going to build a new building. Wow. Yeah, she's our political champion. She's going to build a new building. So that's a conversation that I may have with the mayor, like, well, you know, what was the deal with that? You know, we had this big um, press conference that the, the mayors are donating this. Well, we sold this building for a cheap price. And the building was worth nothing. Wow. Literally have to tear it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really interesting what I feel like I've been hearing from you um, at a minimum. And I think it's one of the things that's so basic to mm -hmm. conflict is that a whole lot would be done if you could simply feel respected and heard. Mm -hmm. If you could just get them to acknowledge, we know this has happened. We mm -hmm. don't necessarily have a solution or not mm -hmm. even know what you want, mm -hmm. but simply to be willing to give you the respect and the courtesy to hear you out. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people miss that. They do. What do you think um, would take for them to feel safe? Because 
I'll tell you what I think, and I could be wrong. Mm. I think when conflict happens, we tell ourselves stories about what's going on. We imagine all kinds of things. All kinds of things. All kinds of scenarios, right? Yeah, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what have these people imagined that makes yes, it so scary? Yes, so and what that's you, true. That's yeah, true. Because I'm that's thinking, true. what, are they thinking you're going to be in a meeting and say they are a bunch of terrible people? Like, what do you think is their big fear? That's that's the thing. And, and, and someone in your profession could probably talk to them, okay, this is, you know... You're going to meet little Joycelyn. <laughs> She's not going to do anything. Well, Joycelyn, you and I are about the same height. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So we're not, I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, exactly. She is not going to do anything to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So it's that generation. You know, I'm looking for that that liberal mayor person in the family that say, look, I'm open to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, that one or two liberal, you know, someone within their late 20s early 30s 40s maybe 50 that age group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay because i think that age group that they know Mm -hmm. they know that you they could you you know i can talk to this person if they if they knew if they know if they mean they knew me you know they were like yeah i can talk to her Mm -hmm. because i'm 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 not going with my hand out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm not going with my hand out because i've said this in several interviews I want to sit at the table with someone from a mayor family, Mike Foster, and King Lee Lee's great great grandson mm-hmm. that's in Benin mm-hmm. because they were involved as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Foster did not go to Benin empty handed, mm-hmm. he went with $9,000 in gold. There was an exchange. Mm-hmm. Villages were raided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? these people were chained in barracoons and then when Foster went over, he was treated like a king. Mm-hmm. Stay for eight days. Mm-hmm. Because me, as a, as a child, my mind was, you know, a white man just went over to Benin and a couple of guys and they snatched people and that was not the story. The same story I would have thought. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's not the story, but as I got older, I was like, well, okay, they brought over 110 young people why did why didn't they fight them? They're coming into their hood. Like, they're you know, if I see three and it's a bunch of us, we can take them down. But I didn't know villages was raided. I didn't know that you know King Lily received gold. Like mm-hmm. this was a th- and it wasn't his first rodeo. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I wanna you know I wanna go to Benin. I want everyone at the table. But until then, I will start. We started with Foster. Mm-hmm. We have Foster, and he he takes me, he messes me on Facebook all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I do? How can I help? What do you need? The mayors have not, and the descendants of King Lily have not. Mm-hmm. So you've actually reached out to the descendants of King Lily too? I have not, but they have Ben Rains, who found the Clotilda. Mm-hmm. He actually went to Benin and he met. King Lily's great great grandson. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Good mm-hmm. deal. Good deal. Mm-hmm. To have those conversations, what would that do for you personally? Just to give a better idea of the complete story, because when you grow up, you get fragments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get fragments, and then until you start reading, you go, "Oh wow, well, I didn't know that." You know, it's like, okay, well, I didn't know the mayors didn't own everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know about Matilda Creer. She came over at two years old with her mom and her sisters, and she was shipped to Selma. She was the last living 
um, Clotilde the survivor. Mm -hmm. So we just found out about her. Mm -hmm. When did she pass away, do you know? In 1940. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think I was reading about the gentleman who was in Africatown, Kujo. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I think he died around the same time. Like 1935. Something I mean, like that. Something like that. I, I don't think I was, those dates wrong. When I was reading uh, the interviews he did with Zora Neale Hurston, mm -hmm. I think he came over when he was like 19 years old. Uh-huh. And you're just like, wow. Because in my mind, and don't ask why, because this was just, I don't know where this came from. In my mind, mm -hmm. I didn't think of the people who were slaves for some reason. I thought of them always, there's a gap in my mind of growing up here. Okay, yeah. And so to know that they captured a full-grown man for the most part, he's, you know, 19, 20 years old, the fact that he could remember mm -hmm. um, the passage here and the fact that he talked about once he realized what was going on, he knew he would never see his home again. That's that just had to be just a devastating experience. It is. And with that being said, talk mm -hmm. a little bit about Africatown. I'm going to head there, actually, mm -hmm. when our interview is over. I'm actually curious to see what it actually looks like. Um, mm -hmm. As I've driven through Alabama over the last few weeks, I've seen quite a few towns that for the most part are kind of sad to me because many of them seem abandoned. Mm -hmm. They might have a few residents, but it almost seems like they are dying slow deaths. Mm -hmm. Would you say Africatown is like that? When you visit Africatown, yes, you will feel that way, but it's still that sense of pride. Mm -hmm. Okay? okay. It, we're still holding on. It's still that sense of pride. Africatown was a self-sustaining community when I was a little girl, mm -hmm. okay? We had a post office, we had a grocery store, there was a barbershop. I wasn't around when they had the drive-in. People talk about the drive-in and things like that. So I remember all of these things because we didn't have to leave the community for anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to leave. But people, my age group, younger, some older, a lot of people in the Africatown community, they do go off to college. But when they leave, it's a thing of, when I leave Mobile, I'm never coming back. Mm -hmm. I am never coming back. And that's what kind of hurts. But then you want people to advance and you want them to see the world. But it's that I'm never coming back kind of thing. And people do leave. And then when they leave, they leave grandma's house and they leave auntie's house. And then, you know, it's a thing of, well, who wants to live over there? Who wants to move over there? So that's the Africa town that's what's going on now. But I think with the finding of the ship and the attraction and the, the hopes of tourism, I really do believe that it's gonna come it's gonna come back. I truly believe that it is. Why do people really wanna leave Mobile? I mean, the part that I've seen so far, definitely a beautiful area. I was telling somebody I don't know what it is about these trees that do something to me yeah. every time I come through with the Spanish moss and all uh -huh, this yeah, stuff. Uh -huh. I think I've read one too many books or something, but yeah. this is absolutely beautiful. So what is life like here for folks you know that makes them like, I'm out? Well, it's the thing of um, my, my son I didn't birth, that's 22. Mm -hmm. my, he's my cousin that I'm raising. He goes to Stillman College. It's the thing of that generation of there's nothing to do. Okay. There's nothing to see, mm -hmm. you know. I had to get away from here, you know, there, you know, and, and I, in and, and my travels, I see things, but when I, when I travel, I would say, well, how can I bring this back to Mobile? How can Mobile, you know, how can we have this in Mobile? And, and Mobile is growing. Mm -hmm. It's growing. It's just that, you know, if you go to Atlanta 
and New York and places like that, it's a whole it's a whole new world, mm-hmm. you know. And you just you just don't want to come back. But then you, it, it's still hopeful. I'm still hopeful. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to live anywhere else? No. And I've been to Jersey. I've been to New York. I've been to Atlanta. I've been to Chicago. I've been to Houston. All these places, but I have always longed to come back. Indeed. I always, I mean, you know, I don't know what it is about this little town, you know, but I love traveling. But I always want to come back because I feel like those places don't need me. Mm. They don't need me. Mm. And that's how I, I felt about people who left. I was like, those places didn't need y'all. We, you know, and those who have left, it's like, come back. We need, we need you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need you. Because those places don't. What about you. this town needs you? Like, what... What are you giving to Mobile and Africa Town? So, uh, this in 2023 will be the uh, fifth year of the Spirit of Our Ancestors Festival. Okay. So, the story is sad in itself, but I've been wanting to find ways to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And this went on in the 80s with our or the other organization, but we have an, uh, a reboot organization, the Cotilda Descendants Association. So, I'm trying to bring back that culture of drumming, dancing, how can we celebrate without telling this story out of making it so sad? Mm -hmm. So this past February, I had a stage play. Mm -hmm. It's called Ocean in My Bones, where kids can actually see the story come to life, Mm -hmm. right? People flock to Monroeville to see The Killer Mockingbird, which is my favorite. They go to um, one of our uh, descendants, she said they go to that one horse town to see the killer mockingbird and it's a, and my friend who lives there he said it's the same story he was like Jocelyn people flock mm-hmm. so that's what I want to see in Africa town I want people to flock and come and see this play it's gonna grow I wanted to um, become a motion picture one day because the Africa town story is just as big as roots mm-hmm mm-hmm it's just as big as roots and you know why not bring it to the stage to a motion picture when Descendant hits Netflix, it's going to go globally. Mm-hmm. So everyone will know about the Africa Town story. I must admit, um, I was mesmerized about the story. I don't even know how I stumbled across the yeah. story on Amazon. And I was like, wait a minute. Back that up. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. you do the math like 1860. Wait, that was last week. When you think about that, because, you know, th- when you say that, um, I had this conversation with this guy about the high school that I graduated from and I was like well my mom couldn't go to that high school and he I forgot what state he's from and he was like well what year did she graduate I was like well she graduated in 1970 he was like that's only 50 years ago 50 Mm -hmm. he was like come on mobile and I was like yeah Mm -hmm. and I said and I thought about I was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. so yes yes in terms of just that personal thing too Mm -hmm. um as I was sharing earlier when I started I think my own personal growth journey in terms of not just who I am as a person but mm-hmm. also trying to understand the pathways of my family mm-hmm. as I shared before last year when I went to um, visit a uh, plantation mm-hmm. it gave me so much context to understand my family mm-hmm. from a poverty perspective okay. and how we became who we are it helped me completely do away with uh, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because when I realized my family they weren't these terrible people who were you know didn't have ambitions and didn't have okay, all these yeah, other things right, right, um, right. when you 
emancipate somebody mm-hmm. and they don't have any resources or support mm-hmm. to go to then you subject them to reconstruction and then you pull the rug from off and under them and then you send them to Jim Crow what do you expect them to have done and that experience and okay. so seeing those pieces to come together it gave me a different level of respect for my family my great-grandparents oh yeah and I fell in love with my family anew if it makes sense yeah oh yeah yeah it's like oh Wow, you know, it's kind of like when people, uh, I didn't know, mm-hmm, you know, it's, it's like, affirming. <laughs> it is. It's like I didn't know, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, that it that that is because you know when I just think about how my ancestors live and how they persevered and they bought land and they the the women cultivated and you know just to survive all of that. Mm-hmm. Just to survive all of that. Just to survive all of that, you know, outhouses, you know, no electricity, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we panic when the air conditioner breaks or mm-hmm. if the washer breaks or anything like They didn't have that, the luxuries that we have today. Mm-hmm. They did not have, but the Clotilda survivors did not come here with a slavery mentality. Mm-hmm. They were young people, young adults, teenagers, young adults, but they had a five-year plan like most of, most of us do. And within that five-year plan, they created a community, they built a church, and they built a school. Mm-hmm. Within those five years, mm-hmm. they were stronger together. I mean, we don't know of any disagreements. I'm sure they did, but they were... You know, they, they came together on their ship and they stuck together. The, those 32 who resided here in Mobile, they stuck together. Mm-hmm. And they became U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. They, they, they went to vote. And then it was funny when I read Dr. Sylvia Ann's book, is when they went to go vote, the uh, mayor would ride on his, um, rode on his horse and was telling them, no, they shouldn't vote. Mm-hmm. But they were they were not afraid. They were, you know, it's like they young people. They they had leadership skills that they continued when they got here. When you say the five years, because it was, mm-hmm. I thought that when they came here, they were enslaved until 1965. 1865. 18, excuse me, that's right 1865. Now. So you know, just within that time frame, so they all, did so many things. So even while they were enslaved, they built a school. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh huh. Got yeah. it. Okay. Gotcha. Uh-huh, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh huh. So they um. Got it. They started this church called Stone Street, and they were teased. They were called savages mm. by people who looked like them. And then they were like, "Okay, well, we're going to build our own church." Okay. And when you go to Africa Town, you'll see Union Missionary Baptist Church, and there are there's a bust of Kaja Lewis, and then there's this marker that says the founders of Union Baptist, and it lists their names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one thing was so profound to me when I was reading. And Dr. Plant mentioned this, is that they would dance on Sundays. Mm -hmm. They would dance on Sundays. And this enslaved person, Free George, would say, well, why are y'all dancing on Sunday? And they was like, well, what's wrong with us dancing on Sunday? He was like, well, y'all need to go to church. And they was like, church? Mm -hmm. But, you know, they they had their own religion, if you call Mm -hmm. it voodoo, voodoo, or or Mm -hmm. whatever. It was still theirs. It was still theirs, but they, mm-hmm. they, you know, Free George told them they had to go to churches that when they found religion and they went to Stone Street Tees and they decided to build their own church. But I'm sure they still practice. I'm sure. 
because someone asked me, well, do you know of anything? I was like, no. I said, but, you know, when you sweep someone's foot or you, uh-huh. you know, if you comb your hair, you, if yes. you comb your hair, you make sure you keep it. And it was these things, like my girlfriend would say these things. And I'm oh like, my what God. she talking about? You like, sure we didn't have the same grandma? Yeah, it was like, Mudia. And I was like, wait a minute, why? You know, it's like, I said, maybe things unbeknownst to me, I would, she was saying, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to split that pole. I'm not going to mm-hmm, do this. Mm-hmm. But those are things that were passed down so i'm just um i want to bring the culture back i want to celebrate juneteenth is a big thing now but we i've known about juneteenth but you know celebration that's fine great we're having more celebrations on juneteenth and you know mobile is waking up indeed how much of your time do you spend on projects around trying to restore the culture of the black community in mobile as well as in africa town it's an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an everyday thing. I am actually planning a film festival right now. Mm-hmm. How can I do that? I, you know, it's like they, they have a Jewish film festival here in the Fairhope community, which is like 30, 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So my thought is, because I went to one in Austin with a screen descendant. Now, and then Theo did his film. And I'm meeting all these people. I did a film with a guy from South Carolina. And he's been doing different film films. I'm like, okay, how can I bring this to Africa Town? Mm-hmm. So before I came here today, I've been trying to find a venue to kind of set up a film festival. So There's seven films that I'm on the screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that now, and I'm working on the festival because that's going to be a continuing thing. But I want this play to um, exceed me. Okay. Because there was others that came before me, mm-hmm. and I'm just following in their footsteps. Okay. And I think with this, with the festival is something that the descendants own, and the play is something that we own that we can tangibly say that this is ours. Mm-hmm. And I would love for it to travel, mm-hmm. go to Broadway. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I went to, in New York. I went to see The Lion King. I think I spent almost two hundred dollars. You mm-hmm. know. I went to see Motown and Wicked, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So if it if it travels, when it travels, that money can be generated back into the community. Mm-hmm. So Biden had this uh, rescue plan monies. Uh, Africatown is going to receive some of those funds Good for deal. redevelopment. We have a ARC, Africatown Redevelopment Corporation, who is led by a person who left Mobile who came back. Indeed. And I want you to meet him whenever you can. Um, Martin Jackson, he owns Kazula's downtown, mm-hmm. which is um, Kajalu's African name. It's Kosala mm-hmm. Kazula. Mm-hmm. But if you go there, it's like, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing he has brought to Mobile. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it sounds like you have a beautiful vision for what you think this community could mm-hmm. actually go back to as well as flourish yeah it could go back we had an elks um a lodge they they barbecued and we would have uh, christmas parties there but the elks is closed down i can see that Mm -hmm. coming back and i I do believe once it gets into the right ears Mm -hmm. because president obama and his production company higher ground has bought into the film descendant can't wait to meet him was with one of his um his colleagues and we were all together he was like I need to take this picture for my boss and when he took the picture I looked at my friend well she's a descendant I said he's taking a picture for his boss like 
you know who his boss is, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's President, well, former President Obama. Mm-hmm. So, just getting in the right ears. Mm-hmm. And then with Quest Love, mm-hmm. right? Whenever he comes to Mobile, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. That would be huge. That That's another documentary of, they can show him sitting with Dr. Gates and him telling him, you know, hey, I never known anyone who who knows the ship that family came on, who can directly trace. And when I watched it, I was like, we're over here, Dr. Gates. Like, hello. You know, yeah, come talk to us. Yeah. Indeed. So if he could show a part of that film and then add to it, I'm coming to Africatown. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, I often believe that people who, frankly, are most passionate and most effective at what they do, um, the work is not just about the money. No. Um, and so for you, tell me what makes this conviction such a compelling thing for you. Well, I'm, I'm a survivor, mm-hmm. and I've been given a second chance at life, mm-hmm. right? So you've been given this second chance, and what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it's not about the money. It's just that I'm glad that I got this second chance because I couldn't have made it. So, And the ancestors have been pushing. If you don't believe, I mean, I'm saying you don't believe, the ancestors are speaking. Mm-hmm. So we, um, and I have to show you this picture. Mm-hmm. When they did the dive um, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to the site and they said, well, you can't go closer to the site, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, let me take my picture, you know, close to the site. So they were talking about that the water was murky and it wasn't a great time. So when I took this picture, I went, oh, wow. Wow. There was a ray of sunshine that I went see. directly down where the divers were. And I was like, that was the ancestors. I told Dr. Jim Delgado, I was like, the ancestors brought this ray of sunshine for you guys to have a good dive. That is a lovely picture. And he Indeed. said that that was the best dive that he ever had. But he didn't know about the picture. He went, whoa. I was like, there was a ray of sunshine going directly to the site. But no, it's just, I it's, as far as... How, what I want to see for Africa Town, I wanted to see some redevelopment and some economic growth. Whatever this tourism is going to do, hopefully that it will generate in the community. We want the same thing that Brian Stevenson is doing in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. That's our next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you watch this sentence, um, Joe Womack, who is our executive director, said that they have brought in a billion dollars with a B that's <laughs> <laughs> been generated. That can happen to Africa Town. That can happen, Africa Town. So, if the mayors don't speak, we'll still survive. Indeed. But I'm not going to hold my breath on them, but I want everybody at the table. Indeed. I love hearing about your passion for this work and how your personal commitment is that this is about your legacy, frankly, mm-hmm. if you will, and how committed you are to seeing your community thrive and grow. And uh, I commend you for that. I think mm-hmm. people who are most effective find a way where their personal life's mission mm-hmm. is tied to what they do every day. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you found that line. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Just finding, it's this guy, um, Eric, Eric Thomas, EP, the uh, hip-hop preacher. Mm-hmm. I listen to him all the time, and he said, find your why. Find, ah, indeed, and you have found your why. <laughs> he said, find your why. Indeed. Find your why. Joycelyn, thank you so much You're for welcome. your time. I have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Drives podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe, share with your family and friends, and be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Leadership Drives.